0: Hello, and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, discuss, and review every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Stephen. I'm here as always with my faithful co-hosts, Patrick. Hey, and Chris. Hi there. And today we're here to discuss the 2013 film "Would You Rather," but 2012.
1: We... It's from 2012. Depends on where you look. It was... Oh, really?
0: Yeah, yeah. It depends on where you look. I, I, I kind of, I tossed a coin and decided I was going to say 2013.
1: Oh wow. Okay.
0: Yeah, it depends on whether or not it came out on streaming or Blu-ray, because this film was, as far as I know, released in like two theaters or something. There's very little box office information. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of Would You Rather, what have you guys been up to? How are you doing? Have you watched any horror stuff lately? Have you had any real-life, horrific, traumatic experiences that you want to share with our listeners? Daily, but um, in
1: terms of watching horror content... I'm I'm derelict again. You know, I'm a bad horror fan. I'm very uh, lax at chasing horror outside of my duties for this show. And I I plan on turning that around in the near future. But for now, I'll have to uh, punt on over to Patrick.
2: Oh, dude, a few great horror experiences this past week. Honestly, the best horror-related experience I had this week was uh, seeing a lot of our listeners share their uh, year-end rankings of their most listened-to podcasts for the year We like had several different people tag us on social media um, saying we were their number four, their number five. We even got one who was number one, which is just sort of mind boggling to me. And uh, really it really, is
1: mind boggling. It
2: is. <laughs> it is sick. You're all sick. If you've got us on your top five, but no, it was uh it was really sweet. Uh, and really encouraging to see. I think that may be a new feature that Spotify's introduced this year, and that's why we got so many of them this year, because I I don't think we've ever heard that from anybody before. Um, But regardless, still really cool to see. I've also been watching some some good shit. I think my favorite thing that I watched, very seasonally appropriate, is uh, Deadly Games on Shudder. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> which is essentially, for those who are not familiar with it, basically Home Alone, except it was made before Home Alone. It's French. It's metal as fuck. And the mm-hmm. kid is being stalked by a deranged Santa Claus instead of two uh, burglars. Oh my god. It's so weird and cool and stylish and funny but also weirdly emotionally resonant um i don't know it's got a lot going on for it it was quite a ride i enjoyed it very much
0: i'm a huge fan of that as well i i saw it first last year it just kind of came out and i'd heard about it it's like one of those things that like horror hipsters would talk about because because it was unattainable and i thought like when it finally dropped on shutter last christmas i was like you know, I went in with some skepticism. We, we've been burned before by these these sort of holy grail, lost cult classics, and within like five minutes of this movie, I was in. I mean, it's incredibly stylish, uh, operatic. I would even say, mm. um, and it just, yeah, it really did beg for the kind of high high def reissue that it got. And I hope, I hope more people, our fans who listen to the show, will check it out. Yeah, I, I, mean, I looks it haven't great. seen
1: it. It it sounds very interesting. Home Alone's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> well, Chris, you should know
0: the f- the filmmaker actually sued I I don't know if he sued like, you know, Chris Columbus directly, but like he sued the makers of Home Alone, the studio whatever, mm-hmm. because he claimed that they had that they had ripped off his concept and uh, Yeah, I can see an argument to be made there. Yeah. I think he deserves some credit does does the kid put his hands on his cheeks and go <laughs> ah! no the thing about home alone is i fucking hate that kid i love the kid in deadly games he's a stone cold badass like in the opening credit sequence you see him suiting up with his rambo gear yeah. and everything yeah i
1: don't know if i can watch any movie that you guys recommend until you guys watch suicide kings <laughs> wait what <laughs> I've been on Patrick, at least, to watch Suicide Kings for the better part of ten years. Yeah, I
2: was going to say a decade, at least. And I'm
1: drawing a fucking line in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on strike. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's that's going to be your Christmas present this year, Chris. I'll watch Suicide Kings for you. All
1: right. I don't know if it's good. It was good. I loved it as a teenager. I probably wouldn't love it quite as much if I watched it today. So we might have a <laughs> listener who's like, Chris likes Suicide Kings. What even is Is Christopher
0: Walken in that?
1: Yes, it's the movie where Christopher Walken gets kidnapped by a bunch of college kids and and basically held for ransom, while his right-hand man, played by Dennis Leary, goes on a, a... a journey okay. across New York City trying to track him down and save him.
0: Oh, all you had to say was Dennis Leary and I'm in. You're <laughs> a Dennis <laughs> Leary fan? Yeah. <laughs> I might even be a Dennis Leary apologist. Dude, oh, I wow. was in
2: the same room as Dennis Leary one time. I interviewed Dennis Leary on a Dude, press at the firehouse? Junket. Huh? At
0: the firehouse? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no it was a press junket for the amazing spider-man
1: oh yeah i forgot he was in that playing yeah. new york city cop
2: yeah fucking glenn stacy's dad i Good like stuff. it stuff what um, have you been watching steven what's in what's going on in your horror world
0: well i, I have two things um and I'll, I'll be quick with both of them so the first is a movie called blood beat it's another one like deadly games that like I would hear horror hipsters on podcasts talk about this movie over the past five or six years, and I just couldn't find it anywhere. But I knew it was like a um, like a holiday cult classic, I guess. There's a very minimal holiday connection in this movie, but this is a like a regional film, I believe. It's shot in Wisconsin, so I'm assuming that's where the money came from. In 1988, the, the year of our Lord, the year you and I were both born, Patrick. Mm-hmm. And um, me. Oh, and you. You're an 88 baby, too. We're okay, 88, 88 gang. Represent. Yeah, yeah. 87 um, what?
1: 89 who? Let's give it up for the 88 crew. <laughs> Crazy 88s. <88. laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, this is like a super low-budget... Um, it's just kind of zany, bonkers movie. It's it, I, it's, I struggle to even tell you what it's about, but it's basically like a a, a, um, a young man brings his new girlfriend home to meet his family for Christmas. Again, there's shockingly little Christmas iconography in this movie, and uh, she doesn't want to fuck him. She spends a lot of time in bed masturbating, and while she's masturbating, this samurai suit that's in a trunk at the end of the bed comes to life and starts killing people in the town and it doesn't strike until again it's unclear it's chicken or egg but my theory is it doesn't actually strike the blade until she has an orgasm but it could be that the strike of the blade allows her to reach orgasm and that's pretty much your movie i mean amazing if it doesn't sound like it makes any sense the movie makes even less it's the kind of movie where like while i was watching with a couple of people the audio is the worst i've ever heard in a film i mean it sounds like these people are talking into like tin cans and everything is mumbled and someone asked should we turn the subtitles on and i just said i think we're going to get everything we need to know from the way this movie was made i don't think we need any assistance here um we're not in safe hands Uh, The other thing I watched was I talked to Patrick about this run on Hulu with Sarah Paulson. And this has been pretty buzzy. Um, It's basically like, as I described to Patrick, a lot of people love this movie. It's got great reviews, but I thought it was kind of like misery for like people who haven't seen misery, like a younger generation. It's super campy, super trashy pretty stupid, but I have to say it did get my pulse rate up a couple of times. There's some suspense in it, even if it hits some familiar beats that you've seen in a film like Misery before. Um, So I recommend it as just, like, light fare. If you go in expecting a Lifetime movie, uh, you'll get your money's worth. So someone I know has a seven-year-old son,
1: and this seven-year-old currently, his favorite movie, not his favorite, his favorite movie, period... Hubie Halloween. Mm, I buy that. He's been watching this shit daily and loves it. Especially loves... His favorite part's my favorite part, which is when when Hubie does the asthma inhaler exhale for, for... 90 seconds um which i still do not remember i
2: watched the movie either. two
1: fucking times
2: and i have no memory of that scene i don't either
0: patrick but, you're not insane
1: but but the, but you know i guess uh, the question is does does hubie halloween have an audience is it landing with its audience um seven-year-old boy demographic is wrapped by hubie halloween um, all right and, and it's encouraging to me because something I worry about a lot with, with kids and with streaming is that uh, people aren't forming intimate connections to their movies anymore um, yeah. because we have so much stuff. You never have to watch the same thing twice where it's like back in my day, back in your day, you had like a box of VHS tapes and those were your movies and you'd watch them. You know, I want to watch a movie. Well, which one of these 10 are you going to watch? And you get to know the 10 and, and, and love the 10. And I, I feel like that's something that we lose in the content wave of streaming services, but maybe not. So I'm encouraged by this development, and again, congratulations to the Sandman for for hitting another home run, with some people at least.
0: <laughs> that is really sweet and reassuring, Chris. I, I, my heart is warmed. Um, you know what didn't warm my heart? What? 2012 or 2013 depending on where you look uh the 2012 or 2013 film would you rather oh, I'm looking really? should we dive on, in should we dive in
1: yeah i'm looking at that right now on wikipedia though and it premiered at Screamfest horror film festival in 2012 uh so i'm gonna go ahead and say this is a 2012 movie i don't care when it came out on blue i don't care when it came out on on streaming if if they release the abyss on blu-ray next year like they should
0: it's not going to be a 2021 movie i mean they have time to release it this year and they should but that's aside the point so I, i'm going to answer the question before you guys even ask it it's just kind of part of the routine why did i choose this movie just to recap this has been a shit year we've all felt like we're just kind of locked in in stasis in in sort of purgatory i thought let's give us a sense of accomplishment go back to the old days when we used to do a to z and let's let's watch the last movie in the alphabet just to say we did it once so that we can uh,
2: so that we can pretend we finally actually completed this assignment (laughs) sure and it's
0: probably as of as of right now it's probably not the last film in the alphabet on netflix i'm sure everything's been reshuffled uh but there were some other draws too um uh, Jeffrey Combs is in this film. Actor that I have a big soft spot for. I've, I'm fascinated with him. He was in all the Stuart Gordon H.P. Lovecraft movies in the 80s and 90s, Castle Freak, and he wasn't in Castle Freak. Was he? I don't know. No, he, he was a re-animator. reanimator, He was in From Beyond. Uh, yeah, like he he looms large in my mind. When I wanted to be an actor as like a 12 or 13 year old, I thought this is how you do it. Uh, turns out, with hindsight, he's clearly a stage actor <laughs> t- trapped in in uh, film roles that don't entirely suit him. Uh, but that's where I was coming from when I saw this movie.
2: So, yeah, Would You Rather, we've got Brittany Snow as our protagonist. She's taking care of her ailing brother, which I never quite grasped and and did you guys what the brother no. is ailing with he
0: he needs leukemia, a, he, i think he, he needs a bone marrow transplant and yeah. i'm like that could mean any number of things Unclean. yeah
2: yeah he's unwell anyways probably and leukemia she's trying to <laughs> scrape together uh money somehow or other to treat him looking for jobs she's applying for a waitress hostess job they turn her down so she ends up accepting uh, an invite to a party hosted by Shepard Lambrick, played by Jeffrey Combs, the head of the Lambrick Foundation, who offers her uh, treatment for her brother if she successfully plays a game, which, of course, turns out to be the titular Would You Rather, and involves all kinds of horrifying, harrowing, violent choices that the players have to make.
0: Yeah, yeah. so she's, she's referred by her... Is that, like, her... I was confused about this. Was that her, like primary care physician. It's her brother's, I
2: think. Yeah, I think it's her brother's doctor.
0: Yeah, and he, you know, from the start, we understand that, like, he's very conflicted about this. And, and like, I don't know. I I, I kind of... It's so campy, but I kind of love that opening scene where she's given the invitation. Because we're introduced to Jeffrey Combs, who is just an oversized actor, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in the sense of his performance. And he's just, like, sitting on this little love seat, eating pistachios and leaving the shells on the <laughs> seat next to him. You know, yeah. just camping it the fuck up. Um, I was in for a moment, one, and also realized, like, this is not a film to be taken seriously. This is not a film that is going to take... Um, like health issues seriously it's not going to have anything to say about the state of health care in the united states this is just a this is just a setup for like a house on a haunted hill type sort of dinner party scream oh.
1: so was- oh, i actually disagree i, I disagree too we'll really? probably
0: get into that
1: uh, in a, in a little bit here wow. I, I can't wait for that
2: <sighs> i think it's a movie that wants to be all those things that you mentioned you know the commenting on the state of society healthcare, income inequality whatever the fuck and never quite sticks the landing on those things but is also at the same time at odds with this as you said very oversized performance from Jeffrey Combs it's a very weird combination and I don't want to say it doesn't work because I I enjoyed Jeffrey Combs so much and I also enjoyed some of the you know uh, sort of half baked social commentary that was going on here as well. So it, it was it was a weird marriage, but it also kind of worked for me and helped pull me through the movie.
0: It worked for me too. His performances, again, it sounds like like he, he's acting as if he's on a stage and he needs to broadcast to the cheap seats, but it it works <laughs> well, he is because on he, a
1: stage. I, I thought his performance and all the most of the performances in this movie were very good. Um, and and Jeffrey Combs in particular um he did he didn't work for me in that office scene really but then once we get to the dinner party i thought he was great i thought he was a great villain and he's doing kind of a like a bruce
0: campbell plays alex trebek sort of thing (laughs) wow that's great i I, the entire movie i had i was playing this game in my head with almost every line delivery i'm like who would do it better Jeffrey Combs or Bruce Campbell, and he's even got the Bruce Campbell. You know when Bruce Campbell does his game show, and he's got the mustache and the yeah. smoking jacket and stuff. He looks so similar. Yeah, yeah, but no, I thought he was great, and he is. You know, doing a performance in
1: that as that character, like mm-hmm. like the character is doing a performance for the dinner party. He's 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 putting on a show basically. Um, yeah. and and I thought I thought his his whole performance Jeffrey Combs's was was pitch perfect. Wouldn't change a thing.
0: Yeah, so that's our setup. I mean, of course, you know, we get we get a little Also, there's a lot of there's a lot of like flashbacks in the early part of this movie but flashbacks to like very recent events like it's a little bit muddled but we get a little bit of bonding between you know our our heroine presumed heroine i guess and and her brother and you know of course she she accepts the invitation she's she's at a loss you know she's and, like and, having, she's asked to sell her house like they're completely fucked this is her last ditch effort to try and save him save herself um So, yeah, of course she accepts. But the terms
1: of the invitation are are very mysterious when she accepts the invitation. She's told that she's going to have a dinner party and they're going to play a game. And the winner of the game will get money, bone marrow transplant, you name it, whatever you want. And it's, it's a little creepy just because it's like, who's this stranger who wants to, you know, put me in a car and take me to undisclosed location. Yeah. She doesn't,
2: she doesn't know that the dinner is going to involve such horrors as stabbing people in the thigh and eating steak. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, we pretty much assume that from the beginning I mean not those specifics but We know this is bad news Like what kind of philanthropist Makes a game out of giving people money I guess I can see the attempt at social commentary There the movie doesn't really Stick to it that hard because what we get When she gets to the party we're introduced to all The characters uh, one of whom the late Great John Hurd uh, oh, As a recovering star alcoholic the show. Uh, Sadly bites it way too soon Wait, who is Way that? sooner than I expected He's the guy, he's the recovering alcoholic who's given $50,000 to drink an entire decanter of whiskey or bourbon what, or whatever the hell it is. Who is that,
2: though? I don't know. What, what has he been in? I don't think I know that John name. John Hurt.
1: He's, uh, he's like a New York character actor who's been in all kinds of shit. Well, isn't most... he the
0: dad in Home Alone?
1: Yeah, he's best known for being the dad in Home Alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, full yeah. circle, baby. Okay. But he's had, he's had great little character roles and all kinds of things. Um, and, yeah, this this I forgot that he died, um, and that's so why I was really sad after i watched this movie um because he really i think steals the show in these these opening minutes and 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 gives you something interesting to focus on when mm-hmm. the story and the setup isn't that interesting i mean basically our our hero goes to this house um is kind of introduced to the eight or so contestants in a pretty not very well written scene. She's basically standing in this parlor talking to two guys, and the two guys are like, "That guy's name is so and so. He did so yeah, and so." Yeah, it's, it's you know that, that kind of thing. And but but the whole time, John Hurt is there just saying so much with his body language, while
0: everyone else is just like sitting around. And so yeah, really June Squibb of, is just like looking doe eyed in a wheelchair, like <laughs> yeah. doing nothing. Um, Dude, yes, the second Amon
2: uh, movie to uh, traverse the June squib cinematic universe in like three episodes now and you know yeah.
0: what spoiler alert i was really hoping this would be the movie where june squib lived up to her last name does not happen ah uh, <laughs> <laughs> no um in the I think sense this that, that per- you
2: like wanted there to be like a blood squib or what are you talking yeah about? yeah okay. exactly okay. i gotcha. was like
0: god this is gonna be the time where we can make that joke
1: uh no <laughs> this sadly. Um- the, this is the prequel, actually, the Hubie Halloween.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was what um, turned her. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: but but so, so they sit down at dinner and and it starts off, and I, I really love the escalation because it's like, all right, so there's this boring dinner that we have to get through. We're also introduced to our host, and and what's the actual character's name of the of our, of our host of our Shep. great host. Shep, Shep. Shep. Shep Lambrick. Shepherd Lambrick. Mr. Lambrick. We're introduced to to Lambrick's piece of shit son. psychopath son. Such a contemptuous character in this fu- film and and we're introduced to him and he's like we gotta sit through a boring dinner first and i'm kind of feeling the same way and we actually do kind of go into a boring dinner scene and we're like well how's this gonna escalate to the shit that we're here to see and it does it in a really interesting way i thought i mean th- uh, we have our um iris our hero you know opens her mouth right away and is like excuse me i can't eat this steak because i'm a vegetarian. And uh, Alex Trebek, Mr. Lambrick is like, well, I'm sorry, the kitchen doesn't have anything else. And she's like, oh, okay, well, 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 I'm fine. But then he says, actually, here you go. You have a price, don't you? Here's $10,000 to eat that steak and eat that foie gras. And as a vegetarian, this scene, right into my Chris, heart.
0: I thought about you immediately <laughs> during this scene and wanted to ask you, how were you affected by this? Would you do it for $10,000? Yeah. What, so, would you rather? Well, there's no ultimatum at this point. I mean, I guess the ultimatum is take the money or not. Yeah would would you
2: Would you rather eat foie gras or not? make ten thousand dollars.
1: <laughs> well here's the thing. Or be ten
2: thousand dollars poorer.
1: <laughs> and I well I have I have a lot more privilege than Iris does in that ten thousand dollars isn't gonna change my life like it would change her life, so it's easier for me to, to have a, a go on the moral high road. Oh, for Mr. Me, it,
2: high Roller over here.
1: For 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 me it wouldn't be about um it wouldn't be about eating the meat. Because, I mean, I, I, I cheat from time to time. And it's like the the meat's already in front of me. I'm not economically com- um, contributing to the meat industry if I eat this. Um, so, I don't really have a reason not to do it for $10,000. Except I think I would just be really pissed off that this rich fuck thinks that he can buy my integrity. Yeah. Um, now, if you raise that money to $50,000 like he does to John Hurd... That changes my arithmetic, because $50,000 would change my life.
0: (laughs) I gotta say, though, like, John Hurd was, and that was a really great emotional scene. John Hurd's performance is, like, really believable and low-key. I don't know, man. I had to do the math. Like, that's a a lot of whiskey. That's a lot of whiskey, because he has to drink the whole decanter, yeah. before he can get the money yeah. and he's a recovering alcoholic He isn't drank in 16 years yeah and he's apparently his life is turned around but then we get jeffrey combs saying like well you're in all this debt and blah 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 and you're like has your life really turned around that, that's kind of an interesting element of this movie
1: because we have our eight contestants and we know that they're all there for desperate reasons similar to iris but yeah. we don't really know what those reasons are uh-huh. um Almost without exception, we're given very little insight into why anyone else is here. And and I kind of like that. You can kind of try to read between the lines with some people. But um, really, we're at this party through Iris's perspective. And we don't know a lot about anybody else.
2: Yeah, um, I thought that was an interesting choice. Because you could look at that as a failure of the screenplay. And, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it is just a product of lame and unclear screenwriting but i liked that we just get these little hints of what's going on with some of these people and others we don't at all because Mm -hmm. um i don't know it, it felt it felt more realistic in that way as you said chris we're experiencing it from iris's point of view and i think you know it kind of maybe makes you less likely to empathize with the characters but then also to wind up checking yourself i don't know you're kind of in that weird space where you're like Oh, yeah, who cares about this person? Well, what's what's going on with this person? Well, you know? no,
1: I, despite the fact that we didn't know their backstory, I don't think we need to know their backstory to know their character. And I thought that all the characters were really well-developed, actually, mm-hmm. despite not knowing what brought them to the table. And through the course of the evening, you get to know everybody pretty well. There's only eight of them. They all mm-hmm. get their, their moments in the spotlight. You get to know people's personalities pretty well. And I thought it did it really, really well, especially if you compare it to something like a Saw movie, which obviously we got to talk about Saw when we talk about this movie. (laughs) And you know I'm a big Saw fan. Oh, I thought of Um, Saw
2: 6 repeatedly through this movie, Chris. I'm
1: especially a fan of Saw 6. I'm I'm on record saying I love Saw 6 and and Saw 6 obviously has a similar um, uh, political message I think to this movie. And uh, but in the Saw movies you don't really know anything about anybody. And that's kind of the inverse because in the Saw movies you do always get Jigsaw being like the reason you're here is because you've spent your life uh, stealing cars you know and that's but you don't get to know who the people are you know what they did but you don't know who they are and would you rather you know who they are you just don't know what they did and i think that it works better in this movie
0: And a lot of the, a lot of that character uh, information like backstory comes out organically like in the choices like during the scenes where they have to make choices and i really kind of enjoyed that as well um as much as i can enjoy watching people torture each other but like you know, it, 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 that's great drama. Like, like action is character, and, and mm-hmm. like we get a little bit of backstory in the beginning with that sort of like parlor scene, as we already described. But we kind of gradually learn more about like who these people are, what they're really made of. When the game begins,
1: and I thought, there, I thought that it, was it, really it, fun. It, it's kind of the voyeuristic uh, mentality that that Shepard Lambrick has about the whole thing too, because exactly. he wants to know who you are based on how you make
0: these decisions. And, exactly, and he
1: he, says, he has a lot of lines. He was like, "That's interesting. That's an interesting choice." <laughs> Stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is his this is his grand entertainment, and like that's what he gets off on. Like, not necessarily yeah. the torture, but. Like what leads, uh, just how desperate are these people and like, where will their desperation lead them? What are they capable of when certain things are at stake?
1: And, and, and raising the stakes. So it's not just, you know, Shepard Lambrick, but he's got a a cabal of. Supporting henchmen, uh, including Bevins, who uh, has really has a strong presence, and he's established as a former MI5 agent who specialized in interrogation. And as such, he is capable of running electrocution machines, drowning people, uh, hand-to-hand combat, uh, firearms, but, shooting but, but
0: people, convincing he, people to leave all their belongings in a big bowl like it's a key party. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but but he's there too, and I thought that even in, in really kind of an understated performance, I thought that they did a really good job of establishing that this guy is a real menace, and that you know you can't. There's really little hope of escaping this situation because yeah. you've got to make it past two or three people with guns, one of which is a, a can-do-it-all MI5 agent. You're locked in the room, and it really. It really did a good job of making this feel like a hopeless situation. I don't know if that helped the movie, though, because I feel like you need to have a little bit of hope that they can get out of the situation to really feel
0: the horror when they don't. So when the whole game began and when things started to get real, I was like, okay, there's got to be a moment where everybody or where a couple of them kind of start to try and figure out how to get out of it. and. I think the movie gets really bogged down when they do actually try and get out of it. Because oh. there's there's no hope. Like, we know that they're pretty well fucked. Like, I mean, the, once we see John Heard get shot, um, I, I, I think like... Which sounds like a spoiler, but that
1: happens in the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes. It's, oh, yeah. It's a, it was, it's, a, it's, a, it's a surprising moment. It's not actually that surprising.
0: Because <laughs> you I know mean, someone's going to leave and they're going to get shot. I didn't expect <laughs> that to happen, like with that character or like when it did but at that point it's like alright we're fucked like we can we cannot get past these guys like I didn't feel like any of them were smart enough to really wiggle their way out of this and-
1: well the only thing to do in that situation in real life is to organize and everybody bum rushes everybody like flight 93 yeah. and <laughs> I was actually very happy to see that they Actually, did attempt that. Yeah, they did, too. um and they actually had the idea, and they did. So again, it's it's kind of like you know, is this movie
0: I, pro or anti union? I can't decide. <laughs>
1: we are going to get to that. We are going to get to that. Maybe in the spoiler room. I, but I, have, have, I have a Wait, lot what? of thoughts. I, I, I have a lot of thoughts. I, I, this movie has perfect politics. Then I think it's it's I think it's deliberately so. Wait, and what's the union bit? I don't even remember well, a union. Well, just, he's just making a joke, but we're talking about our our working class heroes oh, yeah, can only yeah. defeat their okay. rich overlords okay. by organizing gotcha. collectively. Gotcha.
2: No, I really liked that moment, especially because obviously that's a difficult situation to try and you know organize and coordinate an escape when you're being watched by this creepy dinner party host and his henchmen Mm -hmm. but it very much made sense to me the way that they like figured it out super quick you know he's just like can you run and you know in like the space of two seconds they all kind of intuit what they need to do and it really it felt very very natural and and real and and was very very tense the way it all played out i actually ran it back because it happened so quickly and startlingly
0: I and frankly, it, it worked.
1: It worked about as well as you could have expected it to, too. Yeah. Um. The but for a couple strokes of bad luck, um, I think they could have gotten away with it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it does a good job of of building tension and, and keeping you there in the room. Uh. And and there was no point where my. Belief was shattered in what was happening
2: well and this thing moves too like i i mean it's an hour and a half and you know while you do feel the sort of grueling nature of their experience in that room uh you know it it clips right by it's very well paced
0: i will say you know i'm kind of notorious for um like taking breaks during some of these like Shitty movies we have to watch, which I would not call this a shitty movie. Um, not to uh, give a preview of what my review will be, but there was a moment where I was like, I had something in the oven, and I had to pause the movie, and I was like, Wait, what? We're already halfway through this. Mm. This thing is clipping. This is great.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I guess we should sort of talk about some of these horrifying uh, challenges that they end up being subjected to, and I, I just want to say overall. Um, I was really struck by how restrained the violence in this was. I was kind of intrigued afterwards because, and this isn't something I do very often because I don't like the way this sort of like uh, taints my own perspective on the, on the movie and and ends ends up, uh, ends up making me bring in, other people's perspectives to the conversation, but I looked. Uh, I looked at some reviews of the movie afterwards, and I was kind of surprised to see that a lot of them referenced, you know, like "oh, there's too much blood and guts," and I'm like, or what? torture
0: porn. You know, what? this is like categorized as like a, a torture porn movie, and I was like. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, we got that poster with the razor blade up to the eyeball, which was very familiar to me. I've seen that in my queue over the last, you know, eight or so years since this thing came out and felt like, oh, God, I don't need another hostel or whatever this is going to be. The violence is really restrained. Um, To the point where, actually, the moments where there are, where a lot of blood does appear, it doesn't feel of a piece with the rest of the movie. I'm thinking of the scene with the African walking stick, where the the ex-military guy is being beaten in the back, and, like, immediately draws, like, a shitload of blood from these, like, weak slaps to the back.
1: Maybe I'm just desensitized by violent video games, but I didn't feel the pain, really, in in a lot of these moments, either. either. I didn't either, Um, and I
0: don't know if that's... I mean, I was kind of relieved because I thought this movie would be all about trying to gross you out with these, mm-hmm. you know, these little kind of ultimatums and like something violent's going to happen regardless. And it's going to feel awful when we see it. But for the most part, it kind of takes the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre route with, yeah. the, with the editing and just sort of subverts you actually seeing the full implications of of the attack or the stab or whatever it might be.
2: I, I did feel the pain and and the violence and the shock. And I actually think that may be where some of these uh, reviewers who did react to it and did see it as bloody blood and gutsy torture porn. I think maybe that's where some of it comes from, because I think it's that classic example of you you know if you don't see it you feel it more sometimes because your imagination fills in the blanks and that was at least the experience i had with it i was just like holy shit you know i mean like the you know we you referenced the the razor to the eyeball scene already and when that happens you don't see it and he covers it up you know he covers up the wound you don't see like gushing blood you don't see a razor blade go into an eyeball but you know man fuck but I you felt know he that- did it
0: because the performances are great you know yeah. like these actors and- can convey that pain very well but i think the reviews were coming from people who were seeing what they wanted to see similar to when texas chainsaw massacre came out you know this is pornographic this is obscene when this movie came out it was still kind of, it was kind of at the tail end of sort of like all of us being exhausted with torture porn and that being a genre and that being like in the zeitgeist. And I, I think a lot of these critics that some of the reviews I read, I'm like, you, you went into this already having decided what you think this movie is. It's not that.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. and, you know, and to be clear with these comparisons, we are saying this is the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it, it, it's more about the psychological anguish to me. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, these, these characters being left with, with such shitty choices and and it really invites you to think... Much more so than a Saw movie, where where the Saw franchise only really has a few moments that make you think, what would I do in this situation? Um, this movie really puts you there for every turn. And it's like, well, what decision would you make? What makes sense in this situation? Would
0: you rather this or that? Well, and what's um, fun about that, too, is that, like, they're set on a timer. They have 15 seconds to make a choice. And this movie does a really great job, too, of, like... I kept thinking, like, there's a lot of loopholes to this, and the characters try and find loopholes and are immediately shut down. Like, they ask all the questions, propose all the solutions to these gruesome situations that I would if I were there, and Jeffrey Combs is like, no, those aren't the rules. Yeah. Like, right. like like what if um um in fact there's one point actually where there there's a there's a sequence where they have to either like whack each other with this African walking stick or stab someone in the thigh and a character is like Jeffrey Combs slips and says, You get to stab anyone of your choice and she's like, Oh, do can I stab them anywhere? And he's like Well, yeah, I guess. I didn't say in the thigh this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He'll he'll bend the rules to be more sadistic, but he won't let you get
1: out.
2: Yeah, this is the, like... Utterly Morally Unscrupulous Dinner Party Guest played by adult film star Sasha Grey which was kind of a uh, surprise to see her I know in that this name movie
0: from <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and also she was I mean she's been in other, you know, uh non-adult films. She was in uh The Girlfriend Experience, the Steven Soderbergh movie most notably, but oh, Okay, that's but she's, it. Yeah, she's definitely had a Actually, she's had a very I was looking her up after this and she's had a very interesting career that includes all kinds of stuff outside of doing porn, but um I yeah.
1: wish Steven Soderbergh had made this movie.
0: Oh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> See, okay, I I I, I don't want to get too bogged down on this, but I felt like she was the kind of weak link because yes, she's she's the wild card character, but like I didn't really understand her I didn't fully understand her motivation to stab Iris. And not only we to stab Iris, but to stab more. Iris like in like right under the lung in that one scene i'm like i guess yeah she she understands the game she knows that like it's more effective to kill people you know and it's just a greater chance of winning but like i didn't really Know much about her backstory and like what led her to that kind of strategy. She was the most one-dimensional character, um, and
1: it was fine because I I love to hate her, you know. And, I, and sure, like and that, like that works. That, that worked. They made her contemptuous in the in a good way, um, but I, I it, just a little thin compared to the rest of the table. I wouldn't have minded her revealing a little bit more about herself. But I mean, that's kind of the point of her character. She's not there to make friends. She's she's the reality show contestant who's like i'm not here to make friends
0: well <laughs> yeah. sim- similar to uh sounds like a former supervisor of mine um sim- <laughs> who literally said that to me at one point um oh god so uh, similar to um jeffrey Combs' son who is just yeah there's no other word for it he's like utterly contemptuous but like Not really in any clear way except through his performance. And I fucking hated him. I hated his like Nazi haircut and his like terrible posture and his like constant grinning and laughing. But it worked it worked for me like i hated that character and he i didn't have to know anything about him really
2: yeah he's got like it. big i mean in addition to baron trump he's got big draco malfoy like mm. uh michael mm. pitt in funny games energy
0: yeah very good comparison he also reminded me of um the uh the the guy in get out the the brother yeah, he reminded oh, yeah. me of him
1: too yeah yeah, yeah. So much so that for a second I thought maybe it was the same actor. But I was like, no, that's not what he looks like, but that's, that's who he is as a person.
0: Yeah, right? I had the same thought too. I was like, I know it's not him, but yeah. Anyway. Um,
1: and, 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 you know, the most satisfying scenes for me, and I kind of wish there had been more of this, and I, I would like to think that maybe I would be that person if I were at the dinner table, is when they just start talking shit to their captors. And especially when our, our, our mm-hmm. war hero guy talks shit to the, uh, you know, the little. Sniveling son character. Oh man, um, the war hero guy made me
2: believe in the U.S. military.
1: Yes, <laughs> um, and and you know I, it's just, I I I don't I can't wait to get into the politics of this movie, but I think I don't think I can do it till the spoiler room. Yeah, um, but there's so many little moments in this movie that I thought really uh, were really interesting politically, and one of them is is that scene because we have the the son being like. Seemingly sincerely, he's like, I thank you for your service. But blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is just so pitch perfect for what's what happens in America.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um anyway. Yeah. We you know, we haven't talked much about um Iris so far, and I was I was really impressed with Brittany Snow. She really holds this whole thing together gives a great performance you feel every fucking anguish decision and every little choice that she makes i thought she was fantastic
0: yeah i per, everyone did a great job i think for the most part in this movie yeah yeah there's hardly a false note i mean even june squibb who's given like almost nothing to do except to be just like too wholesome for her own good is still like The the relatively believable in this scenario.
2: I kind of appreciated in a weird way that there was, like, a little old lady in a wheelchair. Because, I mean, so often, like, you don't... You know, we were talking about the Saw movies, and so often the Saw movies are all, like... For the most part, like fairly attractive people under yeah. fifty, you know, and it was like, okay, well, it makes sense that an old lady would be here, like trying to get money for her whatever medical treatment she needs, getting and money the same... to buy
1: collectible plates from commercials on Fox News, <laughs> sure.
2: <laughs> and at the same time, I was just, I just had this flesh crawling, like, oh my god, what is going to happen? I don't want to see anything bad happen to this woman, you know, and unfortunately. Yeah, and fortunately, like, she ends up... I, and, and fortunately, unfortunately, like, so many things in this movie, it's like... She doesn't it's get so the worst fu- of it. It's so fucked up that she, like... Does she
1: die? She gets off easy. June Squibb has a naivete about her, which is endearing and also makes us be like, Oh, God, what, what, what are you doing here? And we don't, we don't want to see where this ends up. Um, it's a perspective we
0: don't often see in these kinds of movies.
1: Yeah, or you see it in like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where like she would end up winning the game and being the most brutal of all of them. It would be like, ha, bet you didn't see that coming.
2: Yeah, it simultaneously totally. made it feel more real. And also, I just like didn't want her to be there, you know, and just felt so bad and like empathized with that character. I yeah. guess just because she's a little old lady.
0: No, totally. Um, I, yeah, I, I I don't really have a comparison for it, but I enjoyed the fact that they included a character like that, and that June Squibb of all people played her. God bless. God bless. Well, I think we should review it. I I, th- I think it's clear that there's a lot more we can say, but it's you know we don't we don't want to spoil too much. So, uh, Patrick, let's start with you. Would you would you rather view it, cue it, or screw <laughs> it?
2: You know, I I wrestled with this a little bit, but I think I would rather view it. Actually, Whoa. I mean, it, it's not perfect. We're going to talk about the ending, which I had some qualms about. But I mean, damn, this is a very efficient, very effective little thriller that has you know as we've talked about some political resonance to it i don't know that it really sticks the landing on some of the social and political commentary it's going for but i like that it's trying and i like that it's uh you know doing something a little more restrained with some of the violence and not just having us gawk at blood and gut spraying everywhere like a saw movie um Mm. it's it's pretty damn well put together i was pleasantly surprised by this uh how about you Chris?
1: I'm going to second most of what you said. I'm also going to give it a view it. Um this movie really surpassed my expectations it, even as a fan of the Saw franchise, you know. Uh I saw a lot of stuff in here I hadn't seen before. Uh and I I think, you know, the the idea of like oh, rich people uh brutalizing poor people for their own entertainment is not a new idea, you know, but it's it's um there's so many little moments that we'll talk about later that I think really elevated this because they spoke, at least I interpreted them as speaking to really uh, specific uh, problems that we have or, or specific mm. things that, that, that happen uh, between uh, in the power dynamic in America or, or any country that has a advanced capitalist system. Um, I, I thought it was great. I thought the politics were perfect. I thought p- the performances were spot on. I was squirming when they wanted me to squirm. I was playing along with the characters. Um, just really well executed. Perfect movie? No, not a perfect film. It's not Get Out, but what movies are?
2: <laughs> um, I'm Steven. so I'm so excited to hear some of your political hot takes and the spoiler. Room.
0: <laughs> me I can't wait too. to
1: I can't wait to ladle them out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> get in line. <laughs> um, I I'll give it a cue. It I think this is the definition of a cute where this is like a i i'd seen this poster so many times pop up on various streaming services and just thought like oh god like why would i want to watch that with this unchi and andaloo you know razor into the eyeball thing like this is going to be stupid torture porn um but it's actually like for what it is for a low budget movie um it's pretty it's pretty smartly made not totally competently made i mean i referenced earlier there's a lot of like unnecessary like recent flashbacks and stuff like it's a little clumsy at times um but it held my attention it moved i felt for these characters i felt like it was a little bit stagey at times but for the most part i felt like i was in this room and wondering what i would rather do and i felt myself being very curious about what these characters would rather do um so yeah i'll give it a cue it if, if you've run out of other stuff to watch and this is still in your queue. Check it out.
1: I did think that this would make a good stage play. I would love to see this adapted yeah. for the stage, especially played at high schools across the country
0: <laughs> on a regular basis. High schools. It would, it would work really well that way. I mean, I've seen like it reminds me of like Clue, which I've seen a, like a, a, in Grand Rapids. I saw like a local production of Clue as a stage play, and it worked fucking marvelously. Was it Clue um, yeah. the musical? It was not the musical. Oh, okay. It was just Clue, the like the movie. Um one of my friends like like rewrote it as a stage play. And it was it was awesome because it's like like this is even more self-contained than that because it mostly takes place in one room, you know. It's yeah, a, it's, it's like a 12 dinner 12 angry table. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah but if <laughs> we even go even
1: more the blocking is is easy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's a bottle episode.
1: Yeah.
0: For the yeah, most part. all right. Well, so those are our thoughts. You can decide Whether you would rather watch this movie or not, uh, regardless, we're going down to the spoiler room. We're going to spoil everything and hear Chris's thoughts about the politics of this movie as well. Added bonus. And mine. Uh, And uh, And mine, too, honestly.
2: Everyone's thoughts on the politics. Well, before we go down to the spoiler room, as usual, I will invite you all to follow us on social media. We're at AmonCast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast on, uh, you know, most of the social media platforms, at least the ones that matter anyways. Uh, You can hit up our website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Check out the list of all the ratings that we've given to all the movies that we've watched. Uh, hit the merch store link to buy our t-shirts or coffee cups or whatever else floats your boat and review us on your podcast provider of choice. We love to hear the feedback and it helps people find
0: the show. DM us too. We've, we've actually had a lot of like awesome feedback and recommendations on Facebook from mm-hmm. from people just reaching out to us directly. We're a little slow to respond, but it, it tickles me every time I look in that thing and, and just see that somebody... Uh, you know, shared shared their own experience with listening to this show in an abandoned, uh, fucking what was it yes. uh, yeah, orphanage yeah, or
1: insane, insane asylum. asylum? Insane asylum,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. was a security guard, I believe, at an abandoned oh, wow. insane asylum. Which, I mean, what better setting to listen to this show?
1: Yeah, we're the number one podcast among listeners who work security <laughs> in security and abandon
2: insane
0: asylums. <laughs> oh, which is yeah. one person in the entire world. <laughs>
2: yeah, also, if you're you know one of those sick fucks who uh, does have us in your top podcasts for the year and you haven't told us about it already, please let us know. We'd love to hear about that, too.
0: It would also help if you specify which of us you would like to respond because sometimes we all just kind of see those messages piling in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, ah, yeah, somebody else will respond to that. Yeah.
1: These 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 people they, they they have the security job at the at the asylum and the cemetery and they, they put their little airpods in and they listen to us so they don't have to hear the screams and the baby crying. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, we are we are fast on our way to the spoiler room. We will see you in a moment see you talk to you <laughs> let me redo that really quickly alright well oh, we are on great. our way <laughs> Sorry. I'll leave it fine That's
2: <laughs> we'll see you through one razor slashed eyeball in a moment
0: welcome back we are down here in the spoiler room we've got the dinner table set up we've got some amazing non-vegetarian food half eaten on the table we're ready to spoil everything but first i think we need to uh
1: we gotta play some would you rather
0: yeah would you
1: rather it's actually happening we're actually gonna play we we, we, we promised it
0: now it's here all right let's start the game i'm a little scared i'm scared guys Patrick? i'm gonna leave <laughs> <laughs> well you don't you don't know what's in store yet. It's not necessarily, you know, going to involve bloodshed or murder. We don't know. Patrick okay. fill us in. What do you got?
2: I yeah, so I was looking up would you rather questions and I found kind of a an interesting list. There's some silly ones and also some that are just like to me at least, like genuine existential crises. And you know what, actually since since I mentioned the existential crises, I'm just gonna start with a big one here. This is the one where I was like, Whoa, this is this is a dilemma. Would you rather continue with your life or restart it which there's so many additional questions here because i mean would you rather continue with your life restart because i guess there's an implication that your life is going to
0: yes well there's an implication that you've been doing it wrong
2: yeah okay i was i think i was reading too much into it about like essentially ending your life which I guess would be true. You'd be restarting. Yeah, you'd be ending your current life and starting over again. Yeah, okay. Wait, it's wait, less well, of- okay,
0: here's my question. Are you restarting with the knowledge that you've gained from your current experience?
1: Oh,
2: yeah, that's yeah. True.
1: That's all. That's the dream, isn't it? To go through high school and college again no! with the social skills oh, I have
0: now. I've thought about this several times. <laughs> no, I don't want to relive any of that. I don't care if I'm like wizened by you know my years of experience. I don't want to experience any of that again. It was awful. It's going to be awful the second time around. Next question.
2: Okay. 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 This one. Well, it's for both of you, but it's this one is especially for Chris. Would you rather have a Lamborghini in your garage or a bookcase with 9,000 books and infinite knowledge?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that literally on that website? You just come up with that. No, it's on the list. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, I, I I have the Lamborghini, but I'd be a lot more proud of these seven new bookcases that I just bought to hold 10,000 new books that I bought. Why did you say that it was only
0: for Chris? You know I love that guy, too.
2: Chris and I used to talk about, what is his name, Ty something? Ty
0: Lopez. Ty Lopez, man. Way ma'am? too much. Not to be
1: confused with Jay Lopez. Um... You know what? I I think I'd rather have the Lamborghini because I have two bookshelves with about 25 (laughs) books that I haven't got to yet. So let me get through those and we'll worry about more books. Also, you can go to the library and get books.
2: Well, don't forget infinite knowledge is also included with the books. Oh,
1: well, actually, that ties into to a question that that I will pose to you guys that I that this is something that I read years ago, and it still fucks with me.
2: Well, hold on, Stephen has to decide if he's picking the Lamborghini oh, yeah. or the books and infinite knowledge first.
0: Well, Patrick, you've been to my place. I have a shitload of books. I've read about sixty five percent of them. I don't need more books. I don't want a Lamborghini, but if that's all that I have to choose from here, I want the Lamborghini. Come on.
2: Yeah, I hate to be shallow, but I think I might have to go with the Lamborghini as well. Because also, I have like terrible memories, so you give me infinite knowledge. I'm going to forget it all. You know, uh, books. I can get whatever books I want from the library already. So, yeah, I think Here's I've got to take the Lamborghini.
1: The Lamborghini, is it? Is it like built for street conditions or is it like am i gonna be like paul walker and like run over a pepsi can and just blow up yeah
0: let's ask a let's ask a better question is it built for michigan roads
1: yeah yeah
2: that's a good question i don't have the details but i will check with the international committee of would you rather and get back to you on that all right thank you i got one more for you i'm you know i started big i started with the philosophical shit and we're narrowing focus to just the dumbest dumbest stuff so here's my final question would you rather eat shit that tasted like chocolate or eat chocolate that tasted like crap and interestingly that is the exact wording i don't know why they say crap i don't know why they say shit on the first reference and crap on the second reference but that's the question
0: i'm gonna have to go with the chocolate yeah, I'd go with the
1: chocolate because, I mean, taste aside, I mean, I'm not eating either of them for the taste. I just don't want to get diseases or anything from yeah. eating shit. And I don't want people to be able to say about me,
0: that guy ate shit.
1: <laughs> well, I've said it's that about cooler. you a few
2: times anyways. Let's talk about,
0: like, like like playground bragging rights. Like, I eat the chocolate it Tasted it like shit. Remember when, like, the Bernie bots, like, every-flavored beans were a thing? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there's, like, the puke flavor and whatever. And, like, you would, like, dare each other to, like, eat the the nastiest flavors. Like, that's way cooler. If you ate shit, you'd be ostracized. (laughs) Yeah. If you actually ate real feces, you'd be done. done (laughs) so.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I want the taste of chocolate in my mouth. But also, you know, I have some curiosity about what shit tastes like. But I don't want to that- actually eat shit. So I mean, this is actually kind of a perfect solution. You eat the chocolate; it tastes like shit. I get the experience I want without the bacteria. This is and where remember, I wish
0: this, were, this is where I wish podcasts were a visual uh, medium because my reaction to you saying that was like I was jolted back to life. But you're curious <laughs> about what it shit tastes. tastes not like just it. about the taste; <laughs> it's
1: about the
2: texture too yeah oh oof but I uh, see I can already envision the texture though I've picked up enough dog shits in my life where I don't need i I already know what shit is gonna feel like in my mouth I don't know what it's gonna taste like
0: I don't know for me every shit's different <laughs> you know the if I ate a lot of carrots the night before you're gonna get a very loose kind of kind of watery uh, listen, shit.
2: Right. listen i've picked up a variety of dog shits including some that you know i probably should have had a bucket to pick up instead of a bag all
1: right let's do two more
2: okay I, what do you got, guys chris, got chris has one. some for us
1: yeah i got i got i got two that are exist that are seared into my mind from from when i played this game in the past here here's the easy one would you rather lick the floor under a refrigerator or eat all the
0: shit that gathers in the corner of a cat's eye. <laughs> mm. Wow, that took me on a journey. Um.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to go eye. Cat, cat's eye. Yeah, that's that's much less. I go less, cat's eye too. Yeah, it's much less stuff. And it's, yeah. That, it's organic. That, that's gonna It's going to go down way easier.
0: There's nothing yeah. in the corner of a cat's eye most of the time because they're very clean creatures. Like oh, they, You should look at my cat's eye.
2: Yeah, actually, that's a good point, Steven. There's a good chance that you're not even going to really lick anything gross at all.
1: I should show you my cat's eye. You'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, unless you're you're
2: licking Chris's cats.
1: Would you rather be 20% smarter than you are right now or
0: 20% dumber than you are now?
2: Oh, dumber. Absolutely.
0: Wow, that's a great question. Life would be so much easier. Yeah, I'm kind of with Patrick on this, where I'm like, I think life would be easier. I think I maybe wouldn't suffer so much from anxiety if I was 20 percent dumber because I wouldn't be thinking about all the possible, uh, just possibilities in general. I could just like Occam's razor, shoot right through life. Um, I'd be enjoying life more. I don't know if 20 for me. I don't know if 20 percent would be enough. And I'm not saying I'm insanely, I'm not saying I'm insanely smart. I'm saying I'm incredibly anxious. Um, but yeah, I'll take that, that 20% deficit any day. You would just like to be able to spend
1: your Sunday watching NFL Sunday ticket <laughs> and oh. just not worrying about anything.
0: Uh, that that sounds delightful compared to what I normally do on Sunday, which is just try as best as I can to stave off the Sunday scaries the entire day oh, by God. finding things that make me even more anxious and activate my brain more than it needs to be. So, yeah. Okay.
1: You, you just spend your Sundays looking at the nuke map online. <laughs> Dude,
0: your- you, know, you know me too well.
2: <laughs> What's your pick, Chris?
0: Oh, I, I, I want to be dumber. Okay,
2: yeah. And what about the I, what about the fridge versus the cat's eye? I don't think you I said I eat the cat's eye. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: one we're more. All, Patrick, we're <laughs> From oh, okay. the list, from the list. He's, He's got the itch. Let me, let let me see what I, so I got, like,
2: got this here. Game,
1: I, I, He's thirsty for more.
2: Oh, would you rather experience the beginning of Planet Earth or the end of Planet Earth?
0: Wow. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs>
2: I mean, we're already experiencing the end of planet Earth. Yeah. So,
1: Um, Here's what I'll say about that. The beginning of planet Earth, it's inhospitable. I mean, what what are you going to do? You're not going to go to Taco Bell. You're not going to watch a horror movie. You're just going to be like, wow, that's really, (laughs) it's really fucking hot, and I can't breathe. Yeah. the end of planet earth is, is coming in our lifetime and it's kind of a privilege because you think Spoilers. of all the generation. I mean, also think, the
2: end of planet earth is inhospitable too. I think, I don't know how that's really any different, from but the beginning. I, I feel like
1: there's a privilege to, to seeing how it all ends. You know, it, it's, it's like the, every generation of humanity has, has come into the movie and then left 20 minutes before the ending. Like that one woman <laughs> did when we watched unsane. Um, And we get to actually see the end credits as a privilege. No matter how
0: bad it gets, I'm reading the stand for the first time right now, and it's you know a weird time to read that book, but it's pretty exhilarating. You know, like because the few people that are left trying to save the planet or whatever they're trying to do, I don't know yet, um, they're pretty energized. You know, they got a mission. The the end is in sight, and they've got to do something about it. Like that's so. Like not my normal day to day like mo that I think it would be kind of it would be kind of fun, you know, just to, like ha- have an end in sight, have a project. I'm gonna see this thing through its end.
1: Well, there's people who have—I mean, there's people doing that right now, and the end is in sight, and and people have a mission to do something about it. But it doesn't matter what you do. At the end of the day, Mitch McConnell is going to be like,
0: we're not going to put that bill on the floor this session. (laughs) Well, it makes for a better—I think it would make for a better story, a better epitaph for my life if I'd lived to see the end than if I'd started at the beginning and just died before—I mean, you know, millions, billions of years before— humans ever became a thing but you'd be a fossil man they might find you they wouldn't find you. oh you would just... wow that's a better would you rather would you rather be a fossil that someone could find or a corpse? <laughs> <Be> alive, <laughs> <laughs> or a corpse on a dying planet in its final moments Dude, no one will ever discover
2: (laughs) I'm team beginning especially because I'm reading this as it just says would you rather experience so I'm seeing it as a very like almost almost godlike sort of you're just floating there like watching it like you don't necessarily Uh... have to live through it necessarily in the beginning of the of the universe or of the earth sounds so awe inspiring to me and obviously there's still a lot of questions about exactly like how that all went down um, you know, it may have just been formed five thousand years ago. We don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, what am I doing talking about fossils? This is, <laughs> those, this aren't, is those aren't real part of the show. Yeah. and All I right, and
2: well, I I feel like I'm experiencing the end of the Earth already in my actual life, and I fucking hate it. So I I'm definitely team beginning for this one.
0: Well, that was fun. Let's get back into uh, um, uh, a <laughs> a lower stakes game called the Let movie fo- Would You Rather.
1: Let me put one more footnote on that, though, because we just had a kind of a bleak conversation about the end of the world, which is probably coming. But um, (laughs) I did have a class in college, and I had a professor who, since the 60s, had been surveying all of his students about their attitudes about the end of the world, basically. Mm. And his surveying found that literally every class of students that he's had going back to the 60s has been convinced that this is it, the world's ending in my lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
0: that's that's my favorite one of my favorite songs. Lyrics, it's so simple. But what what Wilco song is it? You can help me with this, Patrick. Every generation thinks it's the oh, last.
2: Yeah. Um, but statistic every every generation thinks it's thinks it's the last. Thinks it's, thinks the, it's end the end of the, end of the, of the world. world. Yeah. I forget the yeah. name of the song, but yeah, that there's but our st- playout song for this week <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure. Okay, bookmarking that.
1: Statistically, though, every generation has the best chance of it being the end of the world as anybody else. If you think of all the generations of humanity as jelly beans. And as, as we get eliminated, there's only a few at the bottom and one of them's going to be the generation to see the end of the world. So right now we have the better chance of anybody who's ever lived to actually be here for the end. Listeners. Did you
0: come into this episode expecting a lesson on entropy, Probably <laughs> yeah. not. but you just got it. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and this is, this may be too far off the rails and you know, it can be cut, but you know, it reminds me of an interview I read with Margaret Atwood um, recently about the new, like, Handmaid's Tale sequel she wrote a year or two ago. And, you know, I mean, obviously, it's been widely memed over the last couple of years. Like, oh, we're entering the Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale is real now. We're living through it. And Margaret, they, they asked Margaret Atwood about that. And she's just like, "Nah, nah, fam. Like, this, there was, you know, horrible shit going down when I wrote the original Handmaid's Tale. It goes in cycles. I've seen a lot of shit. And, uh, you know, that
1: ain't it.
0: We didn't start the fire. This could be some Patreon content, but I uh, Margaret Atwood is so hopeful about the future of the planet that there was a project, I don't know how many years ago, within the last five years, where a bunch of authors were sort of... um commissioned to there there's some trees being planted and they were commissioned to write works that would eventually be written from paper from those harvested oh, trees yeah. like years and years like decades into the future so she's written a book that we will never read probably in our lifetime yeah and yeah yeah she's a very hopeful person i admire that about her
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> all right let's get all back
1: right. to what <laughs> let's is get aggression. back down to planet earth here that was great that was a little lesson in
0: entropy yeah yeah all right so would you rather we're we're back in it we're back at the dinner table uh and there's a lot going on apparently politically as well as uh god i don't know what i don't know how to talk about this narratively I, I mean where are we l- Long story <laughs> short, I mean, these people just start
1: dying. I thought it was kind of interesting how they kind of gradually turn up the stakes. Where you know, the first yeah. violent game they play is just electrocution. Then there's some some flogging involved, and then next thing you know, there's you know drownings and shootings and, and horrible stuff. But it kind of it kind of dials that up. Where like if they just gave everyone a gun in the first. Round, they'd probably be like, what the hell? Nah, we're leaving.
0: Well, that's haunting of Hill house. Like, like that, that, that's why I I drew comparisons to that movie earlier, because like, that's a very similar, it's got a similar concept, but it's like very simple. Like everyone's given a gun after like 30 minutes and shit goes haywire. In this movie, we've got people just sort of trapped in this sort of sadistic scenario and they don't have an easy way out. They got to play the game. Um, like literally and metaphorically, they can play the the literal game of would you rather? And also the game of like, how do I get the fuck out of this house
1: with
2: no and... survivors?
1: <laughs> well, well, let's talk about what happened and, and how we felt about it. And then we can try to talk about what it means, I suppose might be the best organized way to do this. Yeah. Um,
2: so, I mean, gambler gets shot in the head. We covered that already. People start having to electrocute each other june squib gets stabbed in the thigh and starts bleeding out kind of unclear if she's wheeled out because she's catatonic or if she's actually gonna die
0: and she doesn't she's feel dead. it right because she's paraplegic
2: yeah yeah she's paralyzed from the waist down so she doesn't feel she it f- which is which makes it, it more horrifying because <laughs> like her leg is gushing blood actually that's one of the more blood and gutsy kind of moments of this
0: not a lot of blood even still we just get like one quick shot of her leg and it's like oh there's yeah. blood pumping out yeah. um very restrained i appreciate we have the
2: that. we have the african um flogger
0: Shombok. Shombok. yeah 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 <clears throat> which is like has like actually like a pretty complicated history in african politics because yeah. like during apartheid police officers would use these things um on civilians, So I don't know what that means for the context of that in this movie. So, yeah, they, they
1: basically all just um, just die of attrition. Uh, you know, we get down to like the final four. One of the more interesting uh, rounds is they have a barrel of water and, and, yeah. and they say, okay, you either have to hold your breath for two minutes in this, bu- in this barrel of water or you have to open up an envelope and there's a card that will give you some other fate. Um, what would that's you where we
0: get- Guys, can we go around the room really quick? Because I, I I I thought this was like I thought this was the most clear cut challenge. I'm like two minutes underwater. I don't have any training. Chris, you have more than either of us does in in, in underwater, uh, you know, diving and all that sort of thing. But like, I would take the water. I think that's I take pretty the water obvious. absolutely
2: i mean i think it probably changes as the challenge goes along because i think it makes sense at first for the first character to just be like well let's see what's in the envelope see how bad it can be and once you get a sense of exactly how bad the envelope challenges are you know i I think if i'm that second person or further down the line absolutely i'm just gonna be like give me the fucking water i'm not slicing my eye open
0: But for me, I'm like, we already know. Like, everyone's the first challenge involves people being fucking electrocuted. I'm like, whatever's in the envelope is going to be worse than this known. And this is where like a a theme develops. Can we call it a theme? It's the known versus the unknown. That's why everyone's here, right? They're like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to win this, but it's better than, like, I have a better chance of, like, succeeding what I'm trying to accomplish by showing up here into the unknown and and, and rolling the dice. And that's where um, this, like, theme finally crystallizes, I think. But I'm like, the choice is clear. Take the water. Like, this guy's a fucking maniac. Whatever he's, he's going to throw at you is going to be he's worse a... than being underwater for two minutes.
1: Yeah, he's a sadist, too, and you can tell he just gets off on on putting you in worse and worse situations. So I don't trust the guy. I trust the barrel of water. You know what you're going to get. Two minutes is nowhere close to that's easily achievable. You don't have to be David Blaine to hold your breath for two minutes. And if you can't do it, what's going to happen? You're probably just going to black out. Exactly. What you do is you go over there, you hyperventilate like they do in the Abyss to hyperoxygenate your blood so that you don't feel the need to breathe as much as you would otherwise. And then you put your head in and, uh, and, and you can do two minutes.
2: Um, How much does James Cameron pay you for these product placements? Uh, I would love to work
1: for James <laughs> it'd be Cameron as his
0: pro- It'd be awesome if he had a product, like if the Abyss was on Blu-ray.
2: <laughs> yeah. or, or like if any of those Avatar sequels were ever going to come out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so the the interesting thing is is Sasha Gray's character, um, you know, takes the envelope and she gets four minutes in the barrel of water, um, and so she dies that way, drowned like a rat. Ugh, man, that Dude. was that was
2: also brutal. The sound of her shoes squeaking on the floor was such a brilliant sound design choice and mm. was just fucking harrowing. Mm-hmm. Although um, I also watched the time because I was like, are they actually going to give us two minutes? And it's 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 not it's not.
1: I think if I had been making this movie, I would have had uh, Iris, who also takes the barrel of water and survives with two minutes, I would have had her, it would be a continuous shot. We would have her breathing off a a scuba regulator in the bottom of the barrel, and it would be unbroken shot of her face down the barrel for
0: two whole minutes while everyone around her gets progressively more concerned. Mm. I would like that, actually. Movie magic. Movie magic, but this is a lean like 90-minute movie, maybe slightly less than that. Yeah. no time no time not no even time. 2 minutes
2: <laughs> it, it's close it's like 90 seconds i think that she's actually in there as far as run time
0: so we end
1: up basically it's iris and and the other like hero of the movie this guy who's pretty much stayed out of trouble for most of the movie and has kind of been the the organizer he's the guy who organized the 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 run the break um that didn't work uh he's he's been morally uh outstanding all movie long and it's just the two of them
2: yeah except our other morally upstanding guy i mean there are like three people who you actually kind of like around the well no that's not true well yeah the there's there's two guys who she meets as soon as she gets there and they both seem pretty solid and they kind Mm -hmm. of all look out for each other for much of the movie and the other guy just gets shot in the fucking head when they try to escape which was upsetting
1: yeah also, you know, there's also the, the B-plot where the, the remorseful doctor yes. does a little Scatman Crothers thing, or he's going to come back and save the <laughs> day, but he just gets killed immediately. Yeah.
0: I love... Oh, my God. I was like, this is a trope I've seen before, and you nailed it. It's Scatman Crothers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Halloran.
0: Dick Halloran. Um, yeah.
1: So, so we have just our, just our heroes at the end, and I'm like, what's this going to be? Are they going to have to play Russian roulette or something? Long story short, they flip a coin... Iris wins, so she gets a pistol. And they say, "All right, here's the deal: you can either end the game right now, and you can both walk away with uh, with nothing, or you can shoot your buddy and win, get everything, and uh, you know get the treatment, get your millions for your of dollars, and get the treatment for your brother." Um, And so then we and this is why I think it's important that we don't know a lot about the character's motivations, um, because this guy starts to try to explain his motivations and she shoots him and she kills him and she gets the money and she gets the treatment for her brother.
2: Yeah, because she doesn't want to know. She wants it to stay anonymous because it's going to make her decision harder. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that crystallizes what I was kind of fumbling over before about how I like the lack of detail about these characters. Because then we're kind of forced into the same very moral gray area where we don't know, you know, whether we, were, we should be rooting for our protagonist to succeed, if that's even the word to use or not, you know?
0: Well, she does, I mean, we can just jump to it, I think, at this point. She doesn't succeed. At all? Well, well, I mean, she succeeds
2: movie. at the at the game and like the getting game. the money, but then she gets home and her brother has committed suicide.
0: Yep. Yeah. Like total well, fucking nihilistic, nasty ending that I I just like rage quit my PS4, which I was watching this <laughs> on when I saw that. I was like, <laughs> are, "Are you fucking I, kidding me?" What I, kind I of, don't. St- like, what kind of statement is this? What are you trying to say? here? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the epilogue.
1: I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But I I did like that she shot her her friend and won the game, and it was a decision that made sense. To sure. me. and that's and that's saying I would do the same thing. Because here's the thing: it's not just about do you want to walk away or save your brother. It's also about what's this guy gonna do when he gets the gun. It's a it's a prisoner's dilemma, mm-hmm. and we don't know what he you know. She has to choose basically between this guy who was a stranger until two hours ago and her brother. She can make that decision, but then she gives him the gun, and then he has to decide between her and who knows what, all his sisters, something like that. So, how can you put him in that position?
2: Yeah, that's, yeah, what does he say right at the end? I have three sisters or something like he that. He says,
1: I'm a lot like you. He's like trying to relate to her. He's like, I'm a lot like you. I have three. Let me tell you why I'm here. I yep. got three sisters. And I think that might even be the thing that pushes Iris over the edge because she's like, you know what? I hadn't considered until this moment, we were all comrades in this game. Uh, now I see that you actually have to make a choice between my life and people that you care about, and I don't know if you're going to make a mm. decision that's good for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, So she wins the game, but yeah, the epilogue where she finds the, the dead brother really fell flat to me, and it felt like maybe a producer was like, ah, oh, you need to punch your ending or something, because it's more horrifying just to ha- save your brother's life and live with what you did, I think, than this deus ex machina suicide
0: it was a very like ec comics ending but like with no flourishes whatsoever it's like oh he's fucking dead movie's over Yeah. yeah figure out how you feel about it
2: yeah and i still haven't i that that was so it was so weird i i've struggled so much with that ending and what the fuck it means and how i even feel about it i'm i i'm pretty sure i don't like it but i don't know it's it's very weird
1: Yeah, it's just kind of,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let's talk about what the rest of all this means. Let's get okay. into this political shit.
0: All right, Chris, you are you're underwater for two minutes. Tell us what you think this movie means politically. Tell us where, I mean, where it stands. I-
1: I I just think it's about capitalism and class consciousness. And like I said, we've seen this story before most dangerous game, all that stuff where you have rich people who are just getting off on torturing and killing uh, people who are beneath them in the social strata. Mm -hmm. Um, This game mostly does that, but the things I found interesting, there were a few little touches that I found really interesting. One is kind of the air of civility that everything takes where you feel like these people care a lot about, pretending that this is a noble event and making sure people are polite and things like that in a way that kind of um uh makes their horror more palatable to them i think about this a lot where we have you know politicians like rashida talib coming under fire for saying impeach the motherfucker while people you know wear their suits and very politely cast votes to kill people um and that's That's normal. That's accepted. Um, I also like the ending where Iris wins and she leaves and he's like, all right, we're going to give you all the shit. I believe a thank you is in order. And I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with every day where it's like we have a elite class, which is oppressing most of the people in America and, and in countries all over the world. And they want you to thank them for the privilege. You know, oh, you should be glad you have that minimum wage job that's something we're giving you even though we're exploiting you we don't care if you live or die and a lot of this is is cruelty for our own entertainment um and, and I, you know, and knowing what you just said about the, the history of that African stick, I think adds some context, having the henchman be a MI five interrogator, I think adds to that, yeah, that, yeah, theme. totally. Um, I, I, just think there's a lot of stuff going on. That's really interesting. And still always again, that with the sun talking, uh, you know, thank you for your service and in what doesn't seem to be sarcasm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. You know, I, I just think this movie has a lot of really interesting touches that really put their finger on very specific notes of kind of what's so sick about our economic system and our social system, um, where it could have just been mustache twirling. Oh, we're just going to hunt these people because yeah. it's what gets us off.
0: I think all that stuff is there, but I, I like we have the, the the sort of like the breadcrumb trail of all of these different threads, but like I don't think it really adds up to much in the end. Like, I don't know if this movie – I don't even know – well, I guess it's a good conversation starter because we're talking about it and we're extrapolating, but, like, I don't think this movie really, like, sits on one side of the fence or the other, and it it's, like, almost unclear as to whether or not it means to be as sort of confrontational about these issues as as any of us thinks it is in the end.
2: Oh, I think it certainly sits on one side of the fence or the other. I mean, I think it's quite clear that we're, you know – to to treat Shep and the you know sort of the elite ruling class as the villains
0: in in that it's a zero-sum game like 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 I maybe the ending makes that clear I don't know I was so confused by the ending and like what that really means for everything that's been brought up yeah uh, yeah I don't think the en- four, but i don't see the ending as being of a piece with the rest of the movie yeah i the ending not to go back
2: to the thing that i reference every fucking episode but i the <sighs> ending i can separate from the rest of this the way that i separate the kids getting in the freddy car at the end of nightmare on elm street from the rest of nightmare on elm street that's yeah, just that's like wrap great- it off
0: yes thank you that is a perfect way to put it like without that ending I think this movie makes it makes its political stance pretty clear the ending only confused me more (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and it's like, what what would you do for money? And it's like, in real life, people are making these choices all the time. That's one of the reasons why we don't have, you know, guaranteed health care in America. It has nothing to do with the health insurance companies as much as it has to do with the entire uh, corporate structure wanting people to rely on their jobs for health care so that they can be exploited at their jobs and they can't leave because their kid's going to not be able to see a doctor if they don't have the job. Yeah, um, that's
2: what I was going to say is it's all about the choices to me that's the the most horrifying part of this and the most politically relevant it's very like what what really stands out to me about us is you know it's about those individual decisions that we Mm -hmm. make to to get by and to help our friends and family and loved ones but at the same time because of the system that we live in we are almost constantly as I, i had a conversation with somebody recently who said something that just stuck out to me and and was so Striking and true in every situation, in every interaction with anybody, you're either the oppressed or the oppressor. And that's what we wind up with here. And that's what that's what uh, I don't know, really i guess uh, appealed to me and really struck me about the movie and yeah i mean as i said early on it's a little half-baked it's not the deepest thing and maybe it even stumbles into some of its resonance but it did feel very very resonant and very real to me
1: also, I mean, this is almost a ten-year-old movie, so I don't know how that changed the dynamics. I don't. Know. I feel like maybe there's more discussion about this stuff now than there was in 2012. Um, although certainly this was all relevant in 2011, 2012 mm-hmm. when this movie was being made, especially in the wake of the financial crisis and everything. Um, but I, I don't know, but it's just you know it's interesting to just see how these people writhing around because they want you know healthcare or because they're in debt and. To have a villain who literally just passes out money like it's candy, like, oh, here's $50,000. Just, it means nothing to me. Well, it means nothing to me, but I, he, if he wanted to, he could change everyone's life at that table. And it would cost him nothing. Yeah. But instead you have to earn it. You have to deserve it. And the way you deserve it is by putting yourself through hell, putting the people around you through through hell. And I think whether it's intended or not, it's just such a perfect metaphor for what working people in America and around the world are experiencing every
0: day. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was relevant then. I think it's even more relevant now, in like we're kind of interrogating this movie in a way that might be Maybe a little bit unfair because of the developments that have happened over the past eight years, but um, dude,
2: maybe "Would You Rather" is what's created our current level of socioeconomic stratification.
0: <laughs> you mean this movie is responsible for?
2: Maybe it's the cause. Yeah.
0: Well, also, like, <laughs> in, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, like, Jeffrey Combs, uh, he pledges more than money. At the beginning, like before inviting Iris to the game, he's basically like, "You'll be set for life. Like you'll have the best doctors for your brother and for yourself. Like you'll have, like all these resources that are sort of like, you know, not not necessarily related to money. Like you'll be set for life in every way possible. Well, the, in, a way the it's, in a way, in a way, it's a lot like becoming president, apparently." <laughs>
2: Well the bone marrow donor is the big thing cuz she thought that she could give him the bone right. marrow he needed and she can't and at the end he tells her you know we've got your bone marrow
0: donor. Mhm. Yeah and she feels there's again one of these like weird like recent flashbacks early on where like she's like bummed out that she's not a perfect match for her brother and like feels guilty about it. Um and and he basically just like wipes that well temporarily wipes that perception of guilt away that like if you win this game like you you get more than money like you're going to be set like we'll take care of whatever happens to you uh,
1: something else you know this whole movie the villains are just so loathsome that I just was I wanted a catharsis I wanted them to just get Mm. killed horribly Mm -hmm. and I was like I think this movie is gonna do that the movie doesn't do that and it's disappointing but also I'm like yeah because that's not how it works right these people are never held accountable you know we want the catharsis the catharsis isn't coming instead you have to look them in the eye and say thank you for the privilege of doing the horrible shit so I could keep my brother from dying yeah Um, that's how it is and and maybe that, and to, maybe that's actually
2: the more interesting ending to this is if he does get the bone marrow transplant and there's like the photo op at the hospital or something and she has to shake his hand and smile for the camera and say thank you and that's your that's your ending that's that's yeah. the more interesting ending I think I agree
0: I regret you
1: wait, is, wait, hold ending, on
0: is Patrick rewriting the movie <laughs> <laughs> I am oh shit finally
1: Chris he's has on. infected me. The dog food <laughs> ending that I would maybe put on it is is having the piece of shit son reemerge, where, where he gets the bone marrow transplant, everything's fine. It's like, you know, how, how'd you get all this money? And she just has to live with that, but then the dog shit son comes back at uh, for an epilogue, and we get to kill him, because he kind of just disappears from the movie. You know, he's kind of a loose can who would come back, and we could do something horrible to the son for a catharsis. But, you know, I, I think it's better it's that's what i would want but what you want and what you should have are two different things i think the movie handles it very well Well, just by having no catharsis no justice
0: what you're describing as an alternate ending we would i think normally chastise as like uh like setting it up for a sequel Mm. and what Mm. we get is like a, a very definitive ending um like i think if that had happened like we would be like at least I would feel like, oh, it's it's setting this up for like another no, film or something. It
1: wouldn't be a sequel because they'd be like leaving the hospital with healthy brother, and the deranged kid would show up, and then like a security guard would pump him full of lead, and he'd die on the sidewalk, and we get to watch it.
0: <laughs> oh, I would love to see that.
1: <laughs> oh
2: man. All right. Well, should
0: we? We didn't even get to talk about unions, but you know what? I'm sure it'll come up in another film that we watch soon because we have strong feelings about that. I I don't think the movie deliberately has anything to say about unions, other than just you know
1: the the collectivism that you see in trying to overthrow your situation Mm -hmm. is. is I don't don't think it was deliberately putting that in there to be political, but yeah, that's, that's how you do it. And, but then you see how it works because that's what happens too. It's like, oh, you're going to organize against us. Boom. Now you're dead. Shouldn't have done it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) (laughs) we just closed down the factory, sent it to Mexico.
0: (laughs) So yeah, that was, would you rather now we're in the hands of the wheel, the wheel of death. What is it going to pick for us? All right, yeah, the wheel of death gets to pick,
1: so we're going to load it all up every cyber wheel, cyber wheel cuz we got every true. goddamn horror movie on Netflix yeah. in the wheel and we're going to load this thing up and we are going to pick one completely <clears throat> randomly and that will be our fate. All right. Let it all Our movie is Kuntilana, which I actually, we actually had to take a break for me to look up and have, figure out how to pronounce it. It's K-U-N-T-I-L-A-N-A-K.
0: It's Indonesian? Yeah. It's a Netflix original? Five kids discover that an antique mirror found in their orphanage is home to a ghost that kidnaps children and imprisons them inside the glass. Sound familiar? Love it. It sounds exactly like a movie I want to see. Um, sounds exactly like oculus
1: but uh <laughs> a little bit mm. i did not like oculus oculus did not turn the
2: dial for me either actually but that uh, was that was before my fan fandom yeah really set in
1: that baby flanagan that's flanagan learning learning his chops yeah. just bit off bit off a little more than he could chew with that one but god bless him everything else he's done has been 10 out of 10 <laughs> master of horror all right well can't wait to all watch right. that next time
0: Yeah, taking a little trip to Indonesia Yeah, so that's Would You Rather We're going to watch You know, decide how to pronounce it for yourself Next time And for every horror movie on Netflix I'm Steven I'm Chris And I'm Patrick Goodbye All you fat
2: followers Get fit fast Every generation Does the last Things is the end of the world. It's a dream.